Uh, please join me in prayer before we do that. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that you do speak to us now through your Son. And help us to listen. Help us to hear your voice and change our hearts that we might obey you until the day you come. Amen. If an angel of God were to appear to you right now, right here, we had a message of God, would you be paying attention? Now, I'm talking about a real angel, not some guy in a costume, not the devil pretending to be an angel, a real angel of God. And don't say it can never happen. Of course it can. The Bible is clear that angels are real. They are God's messengers. Uh, both in the Old and New Testament, uh, we've heard from the kids' talk, they appear to God's people, uh, proclaiming God's message. They appear to Abraham. They appeared in the Exodus. In fact, the Jews at the time of Jesus believed that the Old Testament law was passed on to Moses through an angel. Uh, we also find angels in the New Testament. An angel appeared to Mary, proclaiming the birth of the one who will save the world. Uh, they appear to the shepherds, proclaiming that the Savior has been born, Jesus has been born, and they appear to the women at the tomb, proclaiming his resurrection. And every time the angels are described as glorious, heavenly beings. So friends, if an angel were to appear here today, right now with a message from God, what would you do? Well, first of all, I would sit down. Will you sit up and listen? Will you bow your knees with your face on the ground like many of the Old Testament people did? Will you pay attention? Oh, friends, if it's a real angel of God, I would, wouldn't you? I would pay attention. What could be more important than a message from God with an angel here? I reckon next week this church will be packed if the angel came back. Surely it's worth paying attention to. Surely it's much more important to pay attention to this angel than anyone else. I would switch off my mobile phone. I reckon as the angel speaks, none of us will be daydreaming, thinking about the yamcha we're going to have at lunch. We'd be paying attention, wouldn't we? What could be more important? Surely there is nothing more. Yet at this point, the writer of Hebrews would completely disagree with me. He would say, yes, the angels are important, but there is someone who is much more important. Now, please open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 1. I think it's on page 846 or 1862. Hebrews chapter 1. Let's hear what the author of Hebrews have to say. Uh, last week, we've seen that God's final revelation is done through his son. Uh, the son at this point is not named, but later on, it's clear that it's Jesus Christ. That's the son. And God speaks through his son, Jesus Christ. And have a look at chapter 1, verse 3. Uh, the son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Uh, the son is God himself. Uh, he is made up of the same thing as God. 
So when you see and hear the Son, you are seeing and hearing God. And not only that, the Son who is dealt with sin now sits at God's right hand, a place of greatest honor, a place of great authority. So the second part of verse 3 says, After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. And because of this, he is much greater than the angels. Verse 4, he became as much superior to the angels as the name, that is the son he has inherited, is superior to this. But the writer of Hebrews is not done yet. I know he's got a lot more to say. He didn't just make this up, you see. He, he can prove it. He can prove it from the Old Testament. So he started quoting a series of Old Testament passages, like a quick combination of punches, to show that the Son is greater than the angels. Now, he's not saying anything new, but he really wants us to be sure. He wants us flat on the ground, knocked out, completely convinced by his argument. Now, I realize I'm using a boxing analogy, just to let you know, I know nothing about boxing. You can ask my wife, Deb. I don't even watch sports. Do you know who taught me cricket? Joel Reed taught me cricket. Eight-year-old Joel Reed taught me how to play cricket. So if a sport analogy or a boxing analogy doesn't do it for you, think of it this way. The author of Hebrews fires off a three-course meal like master chef, one great dish after another. He wants us slouching in our seats, completely satisfied by his argument. So how does the sun compare to these angels? First, he fires off a right jab. This is like the entree. Jesus is greater than the angels because the sun is the ruler of all things. Have a look at verse 5. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son. Today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. See, that quote in verse 5 is taken from Psalm 2. And it's important to note that Psalm 2, as we've read before, talks about the son as the one enthroned above all things, as the king of the earth, given all power and all authority, victorious over all things. Psalm 2 talks about the son as the ruler of the earth. And it's not just the kings of the earth who must bow down and worship the sun. The angels must bow down and worship the sun. So verse 6 says, and again, when God brings his firstborn, that's the sun, into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. See, even the angels must worship the sun. Why is the sun greater than the angels? Because the sun is the ruler of all. And the angels must worship the sun. Friends, if you think angels are great, the Jesus, the Son, is much greater. And then the author of Hebrews fires off a big left hook. This is the main course. It's going to be a big one. The Son is the righteous creator, but the angels are just servants. Have a look at verse 7. In speaking of the angels, he says, He makes his angels winds, his servants flames of fire. Angels are created beings, made to be servants of God. They are made to be what God wants them to be. He makes them winds. He makes them flames, whatever he wants them to be. But the son is the king, the righteous king, the king who rules with righteousness. So verse 8 and 9 says, but above the son, he says, your throne, O God, 
will last forever and ever. And righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. And on top of that, unlike the angels who are created beings, the Son is the creator. In verse 10 about the Son, he also says, In the beginning, O Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your, are the work of your hands. The Son is the creator of both heaven and earth. He is the creator of everything in it. And they will perish, but you remain, verse 11 says. They will all wear out like garments. You will roll them out like a robe. Like a garment, they will be changed, but you remain the same, and your years will never end. See, the sun is different from the rest of creation. If you notice, the author of Hebrews is quoting these things, talking about the sun as if he's talking about God. Because he is. This is the eternal God Everything in, in creation, including the angels, will one day perish. All will meet therein except the creator. The sun is the creator that does not change. There's a huge difference. You can't compare them. I like the way one pastor would emphasize this difference between creation and creator. He would say something like this. The angels are creation, but the sun is Creator. The angels are finite. The sun is infinite. The angels are transient, temporary. But the sun is eternal. And I'm thinking about how can I illustrate this? What analogy can I use? Can we say the sun and the angels is like um, us and little ants? But you see, even that doesn't explain it because we're creation, the ants are creation. But the Son is creator. He is the greatest of all. If you think the angels are great, the Son is much greater. And finally, he throws a crushing right uppercut. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> this is it. After this, it's game over. Or if you like, uh, this is the sticky date pudding with caramel sauce and vanilla ice cream. The son is given the place of greatest honor. It's not given to the angels. It's given to the son. Have a look with me to, at verse 13. To which of the angels did God ever say, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? See, God's right hand is the place of greatest honor. It's like sitting at the head of the table. It is an important place, and this honor is given to the Son. Uh, but to the angels, they're given the task to serve. And it's not only to serve God. Interestingly, uh, they're also to serve us, uh, people who through the Son will inherit salvation. So verse 14 says, Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? The son is given greatest honor, but the angels are sent to serve. The son creator, the angels servant, the angels are serving us. Can you see the difference? Are you completely knocked out yet? 
Are you completely satisfied by his argument? The angels are great, magnificent, heavenly beings. They have the privilege of being God's messengers, speaking God's words to his people. They must be listened to, but yet there is one who is greater than them. There is one who rules them all, the righteous creator who is given the greatest honor. The angels are great friends, but the son is greater. And because of this, because the son is the greatest, this is where the rubber hits the road, we need to be paying attention to him. We need to be paying attention to the message that he brings. We need to listen up. Have a look at chapter 2, verse 1. We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. See, the only proper response is to pay more careful attention to the Son. And we must do this so we do not drift away. The writer of Hebrews is using a how much more argument. It's kind of like this. If you have to be careful when you're driving in the rain, how much more do you need to be careful when you're driving in the rain at night with no lights and broken windscreen wipers? Maybe you should pull over. If the message of those angels is important, how much more important is the message of the sun? Because the sun is clearly greater than the angels. So verse 2 says, if, For if the message spoken by angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? We see in the Old Testament that those who ignore the message of the angel that is the law and the prophecies, they were punished. So the logic is this. If no one could escape the punishment for ignoring the angels, do you think you'll escape the punishment for ignoring the message of the Son? Friends, the message of the Son is a message of great salvation. It's a message that rescues us, and if we ignore it, uh, we will face the consequences. We will miss out on a great salvation. And continuing the second half of verse 3, this salvation which was first announced by the Lord was confirmed to us by those who heard him. What's the message of the Son? Well, obviously, it's a message spoken by the Son. It's just a message spoken by Jesus. And it's also a message passed down to the apostles and later preached by the apostles. And that's why the church, uh, the church at the time here in the first century, they can say, we've heard the message of the sons because they heard the message of the apostles. The message of the son was preached by the apostles. It is a message grounded in history. And it is this message that's recorded for us in the Bible. So we have the message today. The message of the son is the message we find in this Bible. It's a message recorded for us in the New Testament. It's a message that's here in the book of Hebrews. It's a message that tells us that Jesus, the Son, has come, defeated sin and death. And those who trust him will inherit salvation. And as we hear the words of the Bible, you know what? We are hearing the words of the Son. 
we are hearing the message of the Son. And if there's still any doubt, this message is confirmed by God, testified by God himself. So verse 4, God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. See, as the gospel was preached to the world, the Holy Spirit was doing incredible things, supernatural things, miracles. For example, we find in the, in the Acts of the Apostles records of miracles signifying that something very special is happening. And people were repenting and turning to Jesus, and all these were signs that the message of Jesus, the message of the Son, had God's seal of approval. This is God's message. Friends, the angels are great. Their message is important. But the son is greater and his message is much, much more important. So we need to be paying more attention to it. If you're not a Christian, if you are not a follower of Christ today, uh, here in this church, we always say, you are very welcome here. And I want to say it again, you are very welcome here. I really hope that you enjoy your time with us. But most importantly, I really hope that you pay careful attention to what Jesus has to say, to what Jesus has to say in the Bible. Because if you ignore it, you will miss out on a great salvation. But today, if you're a Christian, before you start patting yourself on the back, yes, I've listened to Jesus. Consider if you do pay attention. We can talk about how, what we would do if an angel were up here today uh, we, we would sit up, how we would sit up and listen, how we would quickly turn off our mobile phones, how we would be giving 100% attention, how we would not daydream, how we would savor each word that comes out of the angel's mouth. Yet, friends, do you realize that week in and week out from this pulpit, we have a message preached to us that is greater than the message of the angels? I know Jeff and Warren are not angels, but do you realize that every time the Bible is preached, it is much more important than if an angel would appear today? I reckon if during a sermon an angel would appear, you should tell the angel to sit down and listen. Can you see how much more important it is? Do you realize that in the Bible we have a message of great salvation, the message of the Son? Are you paying attention to it? Now, it's a well-known fact that men are bad at listening. We just don't pay attention, especially to our wives. My lecturer at college says men are always in the state of continuous partial attention. I like that. And people in advertising know this, so they made this ad on TV. I don't know whether you've seen it or not. The ad begins with this blonde guy. Just imagine Fabio. Fabio, long blonde model, long blonde hair model, uh, looks into the camera and he says, I love listening to women. And when there is no women to listen to, I practice my listening face. <laughs> See, the ad appeals to women who long for their husbands to listen to them. So men, uh, the next time your, your wives ask you what you did during the day, just tell her that I've been practicing my listening face. <laughs> but friends, you know that the problem of not listening is not just a male problem. The problem of continuous partial attention 
is a problem that is very real to Christians. We are commanded to pay attention because we get easily distracted. And even worse, we live in a world where we are pulled in all different directions. We are bombarded with information vying for our attention. Everywhere you go, there are billboards, there are advertisements, there are people telling you what to do, what to buy, how you should live your life, and what is important in your life. And sometimes life just gets too busy that we get into that stage of continuous partial attention, never paying attention to anything because things are just too busy. There are always too many things to do, more washing to be done, more work to finish, more extracurricular activities to bring our kids to. Some of these things are actually quite important. But in the midst of all this mess, the problem is we allow Jesus' voice to be drowned out by the busyness of our lives. Life just gets too busy and we can't hear him anymore. And it's interesting that Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1 says that we must pay more careful attention so that we do not drift away. And you know, it's a picture of a small rowing boat slowly being pulled out to sea by a soft current And before you know it, you are so far away from the shore, you cannot row back. This is the message of the Son, the Son who is the ruler of all. The Son who is the righteous and eternal creator. The Son who sits in the place of greatest honor. The Son who is greater than the angels. Does he not deserve our full attention? Does he not deserve a moment of silence for us to just listen? Let me finish by giving you some ideas on what it means to pay attention to the Son, to Jesus. Firstly, paying attention to Jesus is paying attention to his word, the Bible. Pay attention to the Bible when it is read. Pay attention to the Bible when it is preached. Maybe I should have said this at the beginning of this sermon. Read the Bible yourselves. Make, make sure that you have time for it. Don't let the busyness and the noises of this world drown out the, the voice of Jesus. Now, let me be honest to you. Theological college is really busy. And at times when assignments are due, exams are coming, and I have to preach a sermon all in the same week, I find it hard to, to just stop and read the Bible. But preaching this sermon and and reading through Hebrews chapter one really reminded me that Jesus is the greatest and his message is the most important. It's an encouragement for me to stop and make time to pay attention to him. And I hope this reminder will be an encouragement to you too. Secondly, paying attention is much more than just listening. reading it's about reflecting and meditating and ultimately obeying see don't be the man who hears the word and quickly forgets it Uh, talk about it over morning tea today talk about it with your Christian friends talk about it with your kids Uh, reflect on it because the more you talk about it the more you'll be on your mind the more you will it will you'll be able to reflect it it's like cranking up the volume so you can really hear the words of Jesus 
immerse yourself in the word and be a community that encourages that. At morning tea, after you comment about the weather and talk about your kids if you have kids or the ashes, whichever is more important to you, talk about how this passage has encouraged you. And finally, paying attention is holding on to it. Because friends, this is a message of great salvation. It's a message worth holding on to. Uh, The Jewish Christians who first received this letter were tempted to give up on this message. It was just too hard for them. They were in danger of drifting away. So again and again, this letter tells them to hold on, hold on to the Son's great message of salvation. And friends, when when the storm hits, anchor your souls on the Son and His great message of salvation, and you will not drift away. Please join me in prayer. Father, we give you thanks that you speak to your son. That through him, that we can hear your word. We thank you that you've chosen one that is the greatest of all to bring your message. So help us to pay attention. Help us to be encouraged to immerse ourselves in your word. Help us to be encouraged to hold on to this message and not give it up. Help us to listen. Help us to obey. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.